Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnan. And I'm Robert Bucciolato. Robert, it is Black History Month as we record this in February 2021. And the hot movie that everybody seems to be talking about and has been nominated for the Golden Globes is One Night in Miami. And it's uh, it's been quite a phenomenon, COVID era, right around uh, right after the civil disobedience and Black Lives Matter protests of last year, the inauguration of Joe Biden, uh, the, the release of the movie was meant to coincide with uh, MLK's birthday uh, and, and with Black History Month. But it is largely a story about Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, and I want to look specific, and Sam Cooke and Jim Brown also are, are part of it, but want to look specifically at Muhammad Ali because the, the film takes place in a set in Miami because Muhammad Ali, who is one of the most famous sports and entertainment figures, I think, in the history of this country, was based in Miami for seven years. And this uh, story takes place in 1964. And in fact, one of the things that is that there was this kind of offshoot of the civil rights movement. You have the mainstream civil rights or the, the kind of southern civil rights movement that is talked about a lot and shown, depicted in films. And that's Martin Luther King, John Lewis, who just passed away, Andrew Young, Ralph Abernathy, Julian Bond, those sorts of figures. There's a lot of talk because of this film about parallel movement around the lights of Malcolm X and arts and entertainment figures like Sam Cooke and Muhammad Ali, which was more of a urban, northern, although mine was kind of like a northern city in a way, urban kind of civil rights movement versus the rural southern one. Well, and and I think the you know I I watched um, I I watched the movie because you were um, you were just raving about it. I, I said, oh yeah, let me go ahead and take a look. And and one of the things that they did, which I loved, and, and it kind of is sort of touched you sort of touched on it, is the fact that um, when you have a movement like the civil rights movement, and you have a situation where you have a race like the African Americans during the nineteen sixties where they were so devoid of uh, figures that they could idolize, you know, popular culture figures. And they would look to somebody like Muhammad Ali, who was standing tall, who could help represent publicly their race. You would start to see that all of the the great, important um, elements of a political movement, a, a social justice movement, like the civil rights uh, movement, transcended themselves into art, into entertainment, and it influenced people to such a point where you have artists, you have boxers, who they wouldn't fight for the movement on the streets, but what they would do is they would incorporate it into their body of work, into their their own identity, their own uh, nuance, and um, they were able to sort of show that morphing of the importance of that movement from somebody like Malcolm X, who is, you know, totally this activist, political, militant figure, to, um, you know, somebody who is the polar opposite, who is somebody that gets paid to basically beat up another person in a ring and it it was just it's wonderful 
it was wonderful to see just all the different facets of this really unprecedented moment in American history. Yeah, so Muhammad Ali specifically uh, was born Cassius Clay, as I think everybody knows, in Louisville, Kentucky, grew up in Kentucky, won the gold medal at the Rome Olympics in 1960, came in 1960 after that gold medal to Miami, where he lived in a single-story home in, in a black neighborhood. Miami was still heavily segregated then, really kind of the Liberty City uh, neighborhood of uh, of Miami. Ali became famous when he uh, when he lived in Miami, and of course, his, his the famous fight against Sonny Liston, which is depicted in that film, uh, was when uh, he became world heavyweight champion, and then three days later converted to Islam, converted from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. Significantly, as a lot of people who cover the uh, like you and I who cover the history of this state and understand the history of the civil rights movement, Miami is also where Ali was. I don't know what the term you want to use is. If you want to use the term radicalized, okay. Uh, he was radicalized politically when he was down here. And then um, I think you would, um, it, it's interesting because there's a lot of parallels between Muhammad Ali and um, the, the great African-American boxer that the movie The Great White Hope is based on. Um, his name escapes me right now, but both of them, took on the responsibility of being these sort of figureheads for their race. And in the case of Muhammad Ali, um, like you said, he, he really sort of became captivated by the concept of Islam. Islam, I think people forget, was a, a very big, important part of the civil rights movement. It was a huge part of Malcolm X's life, his teachings, his writings. And um, I, I mean, I, I guess you could say that he was in a way radicalized, although it was never, you know, in a violent manner. Right. In fact, that was one of the reasons why his career um, suffered was the fact that he refused to go to the Vietnam War in his eyes and in a lot of other African-Americans' eyes. It was basically a war where African-Americans were being sent and killed for interests that were not their own and it kind of boiled sort of the grievances of that time period um however it should never be forgotten that miami was where he really started to become an icon it was really where the african-american community of south florida began to besiege him they would make pilgrimage pilgrimages to you know the arenas where he would fight they would they would really just place so much of their hope and their aspirations for their future and their communities on this young kid's shoulders. And you definitely start to see, and, and the movie shows this, that um, evolution from this sort of cocky, arrogant dancer of the ring who's just trying to get his purse, you know, win be the best to somebody that st starts to sort of feel the gravity of the fact that he is the rarity, which is an African-American male who has a voice, who has an a audience, who can deliver a message. And for the next 20 years, that would be the major struggle of his life was to try and find that medium. Yeah, absolutely. And he 
help make Overtown, Overtown was already, uh, in some regards, the Harlem of the South, but Ali hung, hung out at a lot of the jazz clubs and other uh, black entertainment, helped revive the place and make it famous. Quite frankly, as you said, there were a lot of people who made pilgrimages to South Florida. He was such an important figure symbolically for African Americans around the country and actually around the world. So he continues to live in Miami and trade in, until 1967. Uh, Angelo Dundee and Ferdy Pacheco, the fight doctor who was actually uh, born in Tampa and and uh, passed away recently in Miami. A, a true Floridian was uh, was was his medic and was with him uh, that whole time. He was a, he was a Floridian and he came to Ali at the Fifth Street Gym, which was the uh, famous place where Ali trained and and was made famous by Muhammad Ali. Was unfortunately knocked down in the early '90s as part of the uh, revival of uh, South Beach, which we've uh, talked about in on a past episode and made it to a shopping center. But it's still. Now there was there's been so much renewed interest in, in Muhammad Ali in the last 25 years. People still make the pilgrimage to the site of what was the Fifth Street Gym. Uh, you mentioned Vietnam, so that's where the story of of Ali here in South Florida ends. Because uh, unfortunately, and he had a, a moral ob, uh, uh, objection to the war as a converted Muslim, and also. Um, did not feel, and I think this has been depicted in, in, in movies and written a lot about, did not feel as an African-American it was appropriate for him to be shooting uh, and killing other people of color that he had no, no grievance yeah. against, right? Fighting yeah. the white man's war, as, as you said. So uh, he gets banned from uh, boxing, uh, not for, uh, enlisting in the Army and going to Vietnam in 1967, and that's when his career here ended when he was finally reinstated and allowed to fight again four years later, most of his fights were overseas yeah. and was really shunned by this country for many, many years, which is why it was part of the rehabilitation of this country coming to grips with Vietnam and the civil rights era was when he got the light to torch at the Atlanta Olympics in 1996. Because throughout the 1970s and 1980s, there had been so much nastiness towards Muhammad Ali, quite frankly, from conservative white America. Well, and, and you know, the, the simple fact is is that um, what happened with him in Vietnam, in a lot of ways, is sort of what happened to you know Joe DiMaggio and, and all of these great athletes in World War II, and that is it effectively cut in half their careers as athletes. And by the time he did come back, it he wasn't really Ali anymore. And you have um, in, in this one night in Miami, which is, I would say, probably our, our best well-known uh, you know, icon or, or imagery in the, the state right now, um, yep. you have this very odd intersection of individuals that are really at their peak fighting shape in all of their respective roles. And you to see, um, you know, we talked about Malcolm X. Um, you start to see the sort of impact, which I think a lot of people forget about, um, that Florida played on the civil rights movement. You know, we, we see the firing hoses in Birmingham and people being attacked by dogs and, you know, the bridge in Selma. But we sort of forget that uh, Florida was a battlefield as well. And the 
that night in particular, and, and what would ultimately be the last year of Malcolm X's life, you start starting to see the transformation from hatred of the sort of social injustices uh, and institutions that he perceived to be white America to really more of a, a peaceful um, tolerance that Martin Luther King tried so hard to get him to accept and embrace. And I, I think one of the, the main things that sort of um, encapsulated this night is the fact that it was such a watershed moment in our country and in our identity and in our social conscience and that it happened in our largest, most celebrated city. That's a great place to leave off, Robert. There was so much that was significant about the civil rights movement in Florida. And I, I and we talked about it before, Tallahassee and St. Augustine, classic kind of southern cities were on the forefront. And St. Augustine, in fact, was where Martin Luther King's campaign was ongoing during the battle over the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And Miami had these elements where Miami Beach was like a very northern city, very liberal. The most liberal Democrats would get elected from, the most liberal Democrats in the South would get elected from Miami Beach. But Miami itself was like a kind of still like a traditional southern town and you had the segregation of, uh, segregation, segregated neighborhoods like Overtown, which had kind of, was the hub of black culture and you had this intersection going on. So Florida played a very big role and that's maybe a theme for another show, another time. Thank you once again for listening to the Florida History Podcast. We'll be back next week.